0: I thought they spelled vengeance wrong, but it turns out I've been spelling vengeance incorrectly this whole time. (laughs) How are you spelling it? Yeah. There's an A in there. Oh yeah, it's it's Vengeance. It does look, if you look at the blood, it looks like somebody was like, oh shit. And then they squeezed an A in, if you ask me.
1: (laughs) Vengeance.
2: another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show, where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle.
0: I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike.
2: And our guest today is a martial arts expert and a voice actor. You might know him from his roles as Marco Diaz in Star vs. the Force of Evil, and Yuji Tadori in the dub of Jujutsu Kaisen, but my personal favorite credit of his is as a gingerbread man in Krampus, one of my favorite movies of all time. So please welcome to the show, Adam MacArthur.
3: Yo! Yay! <laughs> What's up, everybody?
1: <laughs> I am fully ready to get my Metal Alchemist brotherhooded, if you know what I mean.
2: <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> I think we all do. So let's start off by asking the question we always ask our brand new guests, which is, how did you find out about the Metal Alchemist? So actually, I feel like I came to anime very late in the game,
1: very late in my life, even though I was in the anime club back in 1996, Uh, or wait, 1998, something like that. Late 90s, we'll say. I was in the anime club in high school, but really, that really doesn't count. I think we watched a couple episodes of like Rama Half and some Dragon Ball. So it wasn't really until, gosh, maybe like four or five years ago. And I have a friend who is anime obsessed and she was like, you really should watch more anime. And I'm like, all right, like tell me what to watch then. And the first one that she said, she was like, Hands down, you have to watch Fullmetal Alchemist. Brotherhood, not the other one, you have to watch Brotherhood. Obviously, I'm a dub watcher because, uh, you know, I like to support my friends who are also in the industry. And uh, I just like to see how it works for something like anime. So I actually found out about Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood about five years ago. Man, I binged watch that thing so
2: fast. Today's episode is the Ishvalan War of Extermination. It was directed by Ikuru Satu, who directed Father Before the Grave, and a few more after this. He also directed this particular OP, opening sequence we're watching right now, the third one. Uh He previously worked on Cowboy Bebop, both the show and the movie. And he also worked on an anime called Escaflown, which I've heard is good, but I've never seen. Hmm. The writer is Hiroshi Onogi. He wrote Death of the Undying, Cold Flame, and a bunch of other episodes, both before and after this one. He recently wrote on a show premiering this year called How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom, which I love about anime where they just describe the plot. (laughs) It's like it's like what Breaking Bad evil teacher does (laughs) math. Now we're going to go into our improvised recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21-second improvised recap of the episode we just watched. That person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If it lands on one, it'll be me. If it lands on two, it'll be Arthur. If it lands on three, it'll be Mike. If it lands on four, it'll be our guest. Adam. So let's roll the dice. Yeah, let's go. It's not gonna land
1: on me, so that's okay. But put me in. (laughs) Three.
2: Not me. Told you. Who's that? That's you, Mike.
3: Oh, God
2: damn it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's been a while. But I think
0: I can do this one.
2: Three, two, one, go. So
0: Ed returns the gun to Hawkeye, who's like, tells him, who tells Ed like, yeah, so like, I go really far back because my dad was an alchemist who taught colonel mustang a whole bunch of stuff and i have this weird you know cool tattoo on my back that has a bunch of things but don't worry about that and then meanwhile scar is like oh tell me about the truth about the war and then we get all these flashbacks and we found out it
1: was really awful
2: you know what i'm gonna give that to you that worked. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: worked that's most of it it was really awful
3: yes we do find out about roy mustang's like true intentions that's the other big part
0: right his true intention is correct me if i'm wrong His true intention is he's going to supplant the Fuhrer, become the Fuhrer, hand power back to Parliament, and then quickly put himself on trial for war war crimes. (laughs)
3: Yes, that is his plan. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know, this is a big turn for, for Roy, considering we've been bashing on him for being a genocide this whole show. It's the occasional reverse Hitler.
0: Yeah, not a, <laughs> it's not every Hitler that wants to put themselves on
3: trial. Ah, the, the rare reverse Hitler play. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Queen's
2: Gambit. Who's going to put you on trial? The Parliament. Who you put into power? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They'll be like, do 10 Hill Marys and a couple Bloody Marys and you're fine.
3: <laughs> is that what they would do? I
0: have no idea. What they would do. It doesn't. It's not a sound plan, right? It's not.
3: I, I do have a question. Does this redeem Roy Mustang in your eyes at all?
0: I, I think it does a
3: little. Oh, absolutely. He not. could
0: easily have said, "And then my plan will be the be the Fuhrer forever, and that's it." But instead, his plan is, you know, he means well. <laughs> He's going to fix democracy.
2: Absolutely not. The solution they propose at the end of Hawkeye being like, oh, "We're just going to go to trial." It feels like such a, like a band-aid. like, don't worry guys, we know we did a boo-boo. We're going to go to trial.
1: I see what you're saying, but I feel like it's the start of revealing more of the complexity of the character, as well as the story that can then be paid off better later. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think right. it was just a, well, and that's the last time we're going to hear about the Ishfallen War and uh, how everybody died. Like, a... <laughs> Yeah, I think
3: it's, it's like a pretty startling, like reveal of his intentions yeah, it's not the, different than we thought he
0: feels bad he has remorse he's trying to fix it it's probably like realistically right. not the soundest plan in the world but there are two types of people there are people without remorse and then there are people with remorse there's no one who's never done anything bad
2: i just think i just right. think it's not <laughs> equal to the other revelation in this episode which is that genocide was always the point Right. At no point were they trying to get some land, at no point were they protecting someone. The point was always to exterminate the Ishvalan people.
3: Yeah, the the direct order was to genocide all of them.
2: So the thing is, when you reveal to me that and you show Roy being like, I feel bad about it, but I'm going to do it. You know, it doesn't feel equal to the revelation at the end of like, don't worry, I'll still go to war jail. It just feels like they're like, man, it sure sucks to be in the army and kill all these people. And I'm like, and I still keep going, quit.
0: We don't live in a world where we can just live our ideals. We live in whatever world we just were born into, you know?
3: But it's like, if you lived in a world where you committed a crime and you felt bad about it, and then society at large was like, actually, that's fine according to the way society is structured. It kind of takes a pretty strong person to be like I'm going to change society <laughs> to something that punishes people like me.
2: I think it takes a stronger person to do that before society says that it's an okay thing. Mm. yeah, but you would have had to
3: that's like death- would have I had mean- to stop a genocide by himself.
2: Well now I'm not saying that he should have stopped a genocide I've, I've had some people tell me that I, I I'm advocating for like simpler characters and I'm like I'm not I like this I actually like that there's a conflict here. I just think that, like, because Roy and Hawkeye's immediate action after that scene with Kimberly wasn't to be like, "We're gonna go out of here because we can't keep on killing people," like Armstrong did, because Armstrong did that. He either
3: refused to fight or he he couldn't fight. It's nice that you want to go to trial, but it's too little, too late. You sure, should. I mean, always because you can't bring dead people back to life. But, right. you know, you can only go forward.
1: Ugh, it's so complicated. I mean, I'm kind of with, like, what Mike was saying, where it's not, like, so cut and dry. I mean, it is—what I do like about it is there is, like, some humanity brought back. But I also agree with what you're saying, Michelle, where you're like, but that's not enough. Like, the turn is too quick. Is that what you mean? Like, the, yeah. Like, they, like they, we should have seen humanity happen throughout all of this. But I also think that, like, this episode's super interesting, because it continues to further the idea of like flipping everything on its head. Like what you start off watching the show thinking slowly changes and then you're like, "Oh, wow, wait. what? Oh, no. So wait, the good guys are the bad guys. the bad guy. wait. who's the good guy? Who is the good guy? Wait. Are they the good guy because there's so much gray area. I find that very interesting, even though, like, you know, in the episode you could say, like, "Oh, well, it didn't happen fast enough, or it should have happened sooner. But I think this whole the whole turn is pretty fascinating.
0: Well, it's because everybody's right. Like Michelle is correct that it is not yeah, morally yeah. sound to commit genocide. You know, yes. and it's like there's really no excuse for it at all. But it's also true to say, oh, look at this good people that you like, that you appreciate, that you uh, that you've come to root for in many situations are capable of great evil. That's the truth, is that the most horrible things in history could have been carried out by people that, if you met them individually, might have been pretty decent. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. That's what's interesting.
2: I was watching this, and I was like, why are we sticking with Hawkeye, you know? Shouldn't it be Roy? Because the scene at the end with Roy going, I'm going to be the Fuhrer, it, it kind of implies that the episode was mostly about him. But it's really about Hawkeye. And I was thinking, like, why Hawkeye? Why are we going to stick with Hawkeye? It only clicked for me when Kimberly came into the scene. Kimberly, the guy who is basically being uh-huh. like, I get off on death. Like, yeah, I think fucking I, love death. You know, <laughs> he... Specifically, he loves the way
3: death sounds. Screaming is like an orchestra, and blood
2: trickling is like a little violin, and... <laughs> if you boil down, what Kimberly and Hawkeye do, they both do similar things, which is they stay on top of buildings, and they do something with their fingers which kills a lot of people and the people are far away
0: but it's personal they see the exact they see what yeah, they've done yeah
2: but it's personal so so there's kind of that thing like when you're so separated from the battlefield in a way that a sniper is you kind of become dehumanized to the senseless violence
3: hello editing robot here the word he means is desensitized not dehumanized desensitized okay back to the episode
2: And so you have Hawkeye on one side, who's not dehumanized, is actually really affected by it. And then you have Kimberly on one side, who is, like, so dehumanized by it that he takes pleasure out of the action. It's
3: like you're in a war, and you're like, God, war is hell. Killing is horrible. And then one guy's like, actually, killing is amazing. I sure (laughs) love killing. Jesus, dude.
2: Okay. There's something he says that I very much love, which is when the bell rings, he goes... Oh well, back to the job. Back to (laughs) killing. Yeah, yeah. Michelle looks at me
0: when when we're watching this. He looks at me. He's like, "I have way more respect
2: for that guy." Yeah, I do though. I do (laughs) for Kimberly. I do. I disagree completely with that. Are you guys surprised about this? I do, because Kimberly looked in the chaos and the fire, and he was like, "I don't need to tell myself that war is hell. I don't need to justify my actions." I'm completely okay with what I'm doing. Meanwhile, Roy and Hawkeye and Hughes are singing around going, War is hell, War is hell, War is hell. Oh, man, I'm so sad. And it's like, Kimberly at least admits it, you know?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think that that line of reasoning is is. is <sighs> look, I don't like this I point. Am I taking <laughs> myself into a hole here? Am I don't taking like myself to a hole here? Keep it's it. it's, <laughs> it's easier to do the wrong thing.
1: It's easier to be bad and to give in to the wrong thing. So I think the fact that they are conflicted, even if it's not as conflicted as you would like to see them be, at least yet. I think there's that mm-hmm. says something more about them. That makes them more humanized and more relatable, and I'm more invested in those characters than I am a Kimblee who's like, oh, this guy's just Same. an outlier, you know?
2: All right, maybe yeah. respect isn't the word I should have used. <laughs> it's like <so laughs> probably, you prefer, you prefer the, a no, no,
3: psychopath no, who has no, like, moral sense no, no, at no, all no, no, to no, no. someone who, like, kills so significantly kid, less like, people and here, feels way thing, worse about it.
2: Here's the thing. Okay, hold on. Let me undig myself from this hole. <laughs> is, you are canceled. In the Cancel. concept, in the in the realm, him. in the realm of fictional characters, if you want me to simple, damn it, if you want okay, but me how to, how can
3: we how can we judge fictional characters if not by the standards or of our own like moral experience?
0: Drag him to the cancelling chamber.
1: <laughs> I
2: just, I just Take think you know.
3: Mike, drop him as your client. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. I think what you're saying is you
3: can appreciate when a character
1: has such clear intentions and it doesn't necessarily matter which side they're on, but it, you can latch on even if it's, you know, his intentions are bad because he's so specific. Is that what you're trying to say? That should be what you're trying okay, to it's, say. God, take, take it's
0: the like if line. you're going to genocide me, genocide me to my face. Yeah.
2: <laughs> actually, Mike, you got it. That's it. That's it. If you're going to genocide me, genocide me to my face, you know, that that's actually it. Oh. That's the point I l- I I'm trying Adam's to make. point a
3: lot, actually. Adam, I'm wondering if there was any specific voice acting moments in, in this episode or even this watch through that you sort of found yourself noticing.
1: I'm doing the dub of Jujutsu Kaisen right now. Congrats. That's really cool. It is my first anime to work on. And something that I find difficult is actually the super casual moments. Subtlety in anime hmm. acting. You know, a lot of people think back to like 90s dubs where it's like, <laughs> so over the top in everything and even in the casual moments, right. these like subtle conversational moments, like casual moments are, are really so nice. They're understated. They're like authentic. Yeah. You know? Yes. You don't notice the acting. You don't notice the dubbing or whatever. It's such a well done dub. Probably my number one favorite dub of any anime it's such a good dub
0: you're our second voiceover actor that we've had on the program so far i know you i'm sure you've run into david Origo. oh
1: yeah mm-hmm. we had
0: like the very similar sort of most anime or a lot of anime feels like it's just a little pushed or too much and then yeah this is just a, a great example of like doing this understated authentic performance and i think it's really cool that you both clue into that as like something this show does really well and early before other shows kind of picked up on that, you know?
1: Dubbing is interesting. And obviously there's like the, you know, people are wild. (laughs) We'll say people are wildly passionate about which side of the coin they fall on, the dub or the sub side. And I think there is no wrong answer. You can watch whichever one you want. It's really whatever you enjoy. It's okay for you to enjoy as far as that goes. But what I think a lot of people who are fans of subs don't realize about dubs is, there's like so many pieces of the puzzle that create a good dub. So not only is it like the writing, like the translation has to be not just straight literal translation of the Japanese because culturally things will be different. I just did an episode of Jujutsu Kaisen and there was a saying in there that they kept the basically the Japanese saying, but translated it to English. And I know for a fact that people are going to hear that and be like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what <laughs> what does that mean? It's like, I think, I think Yuji says something to uh, one of the character's moms and he's like, I didn't think you were a green onion girl or a green onion lady. And <laughs> everyone would be like, what? They'll just take it as at face value. She's holding green onions. Um, <laughs> but it, that's like a saying in Japanese. It means insinuating that she looks domestic. Like, oh, I didn't pay um... you to be so like domestic, like a stay-at-home mom kind of girl because she's like smoking and whatever. Anyway, so as far as like dubs go, right? You have somebody who's translating and writing the script, not just like copying subtitles over onto a page for people to record. It has to be like, you know, they got to also help make it make sense. Then obviously you have to cast good actors and then you have the voice direction. Voice direction can be hard. So what's cool is when you see a good dub like this one, so much has gone into making it good and all of those things kind of have to align to get like the holy trifecta of <laughs> of like a good dub you know because even if you have amazing actors if mm-hmm. you know the writing is just kind of okay it it can affect things or you know lines don't land or whatever so i love watching the dub of this
3: right and then the added challenge of of it's already animated so it's yeah. got to lay on totally yeah of...
1: the writers do a lot of heavy lifting and I've seen great writing and I've seen really lazy writing where, you know, it's not necessarily someone whose job it normally is gets thrown into it and they're trying to pump out episodes because, you know, everyone's crazy for dubs and fast content, you know, and stuff like that. So you get stuff that's kind of just mm-hmm. okay and the words don't make sense. Or, you know, because like you said, your matching picture, you know, the character's mouth might be open, but they make them say like, damn, and you can't do that. It's got to be like, whoa. So the mouth ends open, you (laughs) know? So you're kind of finessing the words you're using as you're translating. It's, I think it's a lot,
2: you know? This episode apparently has the honor, quote unquote, of being one of the most abridged in the series. Apparently there's an entire volume of manga that was reduced to a single episode. They cut a lot of stuff. That leads into our first take theater this week. So bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. This First Take Theater features our first ever two-parter. First, we have a post from a random user. It goes, I haven't read the manga, and though it sounds like the cutout a lot, the stuff they cut out does not sound really necessary, so I could understand what they would. Sure, I bet you all got a much better impact of what happened in Ishval in the manga, but really, I don't think we need to know every detail of what happened there for the series plot to develop. Personally, I thought it was a good episode. Not amazing, but still good. An episode doesn't suck purely because it cut out content you like from the manga, to which another user tastefully replied, Die. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: You know what, I have a lot more respect for the user who said, (laughs) die.
2: Oh my gosh. And that was first take theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. But it does go into something we brought up all the way in the beginning of the episode, which is, there are some really weird structural moments to this episode, especially the ending. The ending just, like, literally comes out of nowhere and hits you like a freight train.
0: Turns around and says, well, thank you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, well, thanks. Yeah, May has a crush on Alphonse now. That was sort of the last pre-credits moment. There is a post-credits. Dr. Marco is an exploded head corpse that says vengeance now.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he killed him. I thought Dr. Marco might have had more to say.
3: That was actually something I thought when
1: I saw this episode originally. I was like, oh. Oh okay guess guess we don't need him still
0: Telling anymore. <laughs> the story. <laughs> I
2: guess that's it. Yeah, right. Mike. Oh, right. Speaking of things getting canceled, it's time for you to cancel your previous prediction and make another one in Mikey at the bath. Oh, The segues are getting much more forced. Yes, I like it. This is the segment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, your previous prediction was that this would be a flashback episode. Not really a prediction. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a prediction. You just stated a structural idea, whatever. Now we need you to guess what happens in the next episode. The title is The 520 Cents Promise. And can you please describe to us the thumbnail?
0: Yes, we have Hawkeye standing in front of the uh, alchemist's dragon thing. The 520 Cents Promise is that if we commit genocide again, then we will be levied a 520 cents fine. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the title means at all. But I think that in the next episode, we're going to get deeper into flashback. I think that we're going to... Find out a little bit more about her tattoo and how it relates to, you know, basically how the Colonel Mustang plot involving all the politics is going to sort of involve the transmutation, woo-woo, crazy roles, alchemy stuff a little bit more. I think we're going to link these things together a little bit.
2: Now that Mike has made his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode, giving it a score between one and five stars. I'm going to get started and give it a four star. I don't know why you all decided to... Gay up on me i actually like this episode <laughs> you're blameless the questions it raised were it interesting questions favorite character it, in it and it no it didn't and it's just a really interesting episode of television you know any episode that makes me think a little that makes me argue a little to me is a good episode of television
3: i'd say at least a four probably like a 4.25 Just is a really really solid episode we got a lot of great origin stories i think we got some more insight into colonel mustang I think just more background on on the military characters in this because Ed is too young to have that background. So I think getting that context and and putting their attitudes into a better context makes everything more interesting going forward. So
2: Oh shit, we forgot there's a really important character who shows up in this episode. Oh,
3: yeah. Monopoly got it. (laughs) Yeah. A very important character origin. The birth of Monopoly Man. <laughs> Thank God. They
2: take his leg. Yeah, he's the guy in the background who gets carried away and says he lost his leg. Oh, yeah. 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 Like,
0: my leg! I'm gonna go buy I'm gonna go home and buy a Park Place <laughs> and uh, the other one and Pasco. Yeah. <laughs> he has to go directly home. <laughs> Do not Pasco. I'm also gonna give it four stars. I found it in it was an entertaining and, and moving episode. I don't think it's quite five stars because it doesn't um, – I, I don't think it, it, we want it to be. You know, it just, It's just catching us up, showing us some interesting things. And also I really like watching Ed and Hawkeye talk because these are two char- – I always get really excited when two characters who never talk to each other all of a sudden relate to each other. I, it's just really exciting. I think it's fun.
1: I'm going to go ahead and nudge it up just a tad from where everyone else is sitting. I'm going to give this episode a 4.6.
0: And the ooh. reason is
1: I think this is one of those episodes after you watch that... it, you're like – okay. But then the more you learn down the road, you're like, wow, it's actually a lot juicier than it seems at first watch.
2: And if you don't want to get PTSD from killing a bunch of people in Ishval, don't forget to follow us on Twitter (laughs) at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM Analysts.
0: And if you need a hasty segue out of
2: a tricky section. (laughs) 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 Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to see those. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right. You can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash FM Analysts.
3: We may even release the 25 minutes we spent fiddling with our mics
2: (laughs) before this episode started. Ooh,
3: BTS.
2: Nice. Yeah,
0: it's it's good listening. (laughs) I was here. I listened to the whole thing.
2: Adam, thank you so much. It was a pleasure and joy and an honor to have you here. Adam, you're great. This was a lot of fun, guys. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank
2: you so much. Where can people find you online? I am
1: everywhere online with the username at Ninjamac, N-I-N-J-A-M-A-C. So at Ninjamac, Twitter, Instagram,
2: TikTok. And before you go, we'd like to ask you to do one last thing for us, which is, could you please do your best version of the Full Metal Alchemist Interstitials? Oh, yeah, totally. Full Metal Alchemist. (laughs) Fantastic. Excellent. We'd also like to thank Sarah Lunar for managing our Tumblr. If you want to check that out, please go to fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But do be warned, there are spoilers there. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Arthur, I'm recording this for the podcast, okay? Oh, okay. All right. Some context. We recorded that episode in January. Like a week later, we had our guest Remy talking about FMA antagonists. Oh, no, this
3: is about Kimberly, isn't it?
2: Yes. And then they posted this page of the manga that I think is important because it literally (laughs) is my point. (laughs) The page where Kimberly says, and I quote, The moment you put on this uniform out of your own free will, you knew something like this could be expected of you. He's talking about killing people. If you don't like it, you shouldn't have put it on in the first place. Why do you act as though you're the victims when this was the path you chose free of coercion? If you're going to pity yourselves and don't kill anyone in the first place... Don't avert your eyes from death. Look straight ahead. Look squarely at the people you're killing. And don't forget them. Never forget them because they won't forget you. This is the point I was making before you and Mike <laughs> and guess Adam and Arthur ha- railroaded me into cancellation. <laughs> I don't know if we railroaded
3: you in cancellation. You affixed the cancellation card to the cancellation train. But we did add coal to the cancellation furnace. So sure. That. Okay, I think you have a point. And that he is just pure, like lawful evil. He's not hypocritical. Like, oh no, I feel so bad about this as they're like actively killing people. Like they have, they do have the power to stop it, to stop killing. And, like my one sticking point is like, no, it doesn't make Kimberly like morally better because he's still killing more people. And I think in the end, killing is kind of a, to some degree, a zero sum activity, moral wise. But-
2: But if we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) if we're talking if we're talking about the idea of moving forward from something that was done in the past, I don't think you can move forward without acknowledging that you could have done something back then and you didn't do it. And that to be like, oh wait, but actually the better solution is if we do this thing now is an act of cowardice and it's a moral failure and it actually makes you less in my book at least than the guy who at least didn't even pretend to have moral quandaries about what he was doing sure
3: but are they pretending to
2: have moral quandaries yes they are they're sitting around talking about how much they hate killing
3: yeah okay well still killing i
2: get it it's like
3: annoying that they're more hypocritical but afterwards kimberly's still killing people and they are like, there's got to be a better way. Let's change this country. Can
2: you give me that? Okay, I'll give you that.
3: Okay. I declared the train uh, derailed. Yeah, you were right.
2: Thank you. <laughs> you were
3: right. You were mostly right. Thank you.